sure by now most of you know that Richard's uh, operation went well. He's, the doctor told him he could, as much pain as he could stand, he could use his, his thing that he got the operation on. I, uh, um, don't mind repeating myself, and I know that's no surprise. Uh, the, the thing that we, we will do as long as we uh, have our senses is we, we want uh, God's help. And so with that, we'll, uh, because the process means that we're under scrutiny. You know, somebody, I, I think I told you this story years ago about this guy that was very wealthy and he bought some property on the edge of our property and he brought a lot, he was a junker. His brother was a, uh, um, uh, CPA and a, he always came down on a, uh, he never, hung around much, but he came down and asked about his brother. And his brother, uh, who he brought old cars and as many much junk as he could bring in. And, and of course, we had a, a pond and an adobe house of, before we bought uh, Builder House. But anyway, I asked this guy once, I said, well, you know, what, what's that around your waist? And he, he had a belt and a piece of steel with um, a, a thinner piece under that screwed down. And I said, what, what is that you're wearing? And he said, well, I'm taking care of a hernia. And I said, well, you know, don't you want to go to the doctor? And he said, no, I don't trust the practicing physicians. They're not going to practice on me. Well. We have a physician that's not practicing on us. He is absolutely operating full on. And I don't, you know, some of the things I say, you have to say, well, I don't know about that, because I do. But he does know what he's doing. And I believe with all my heart that he doesn't give us more than we can help. You know, but he does give us more than we think we can help. Do you believe that? And do we also feel like Job at times, leave me alone? Very quiet. I mean, if you're honest, you don't, you want to be left alone. You want a smooth road. Uh, I am so uh, aggravated when, when I drive in a car, and even now, occasionally I do, when the road, you know, makes noises so I can't even have a conversation with my wife. Uh, so I'm not going to be sitting there saying, oh, well, whatever the road is, whatever, you know, the rocky roads, the dips, and, you know. So all of us want smoothness. And, and God doesn't always make the path of the just, which you are, because he made you just. They're not there. They're not difficult. So you're going to hear me say it again and again. Don't get highly evaluated about your failures. 
Okay? Because your failures ground you in sanity. Okay? To the place where, because you, you know, this is the way God works. You say, oh God, help me with this. And you go to him, you're sincere, you're broken. And God helps you. And I don't know, I, I, I really feel like a slug sometimes because I haven't uh, indicated kept a record. I had a little book where Nelson and I were running years ago and uh, and he was doing well and called me on a thing. He found out he was second in a big race and I said, nah, you weren't. And, and then he proved it on the thing. And, that, and I saw all the things that I prayed for working out. But God has done more for you than you can count. Is that not right? And, and, you know, we get excited about the buildings and, I mean, you know, Ron, is Ron here today? Where? Ron, quit hiding out here. Sit over here with your wife so I can find you. You guys are not having a fight or anything, are right? you? Oh. Oh. <laughs> Never do. That's, that's, what, that's what I say. That's a, uh, not true. <laughs> but, the, but the point is, in, in this your job and my job is to stay under all the time, under God's scrutiny. In that, but I don't do that. I, you know, I forget. I go to, you know, I, I, I was touched the other day. I was telling uh, Amanda, I was really touched by the praise, and I, I, upstairs, and you have good intentions. People tell you your good intentions are the highway to hell, and that's true. His intention is solid, and he loves you with an everlasting love. And get over the failures and be tender as you can possibly be with your little frail nature. Uh, I, I look around sometimes when I'm preaching, because I, I always used to look most places you go, you can find an ant. can't find them. But you and I, compared to the overwhelming uh, dimension of goodness that God has for us, are like little, little ants. I mean, there's a variety of ants. But he knows where you live, and he's constant in his care. Get that inside. Uh, I, and, and if you, you can all, you know, one of these days I'll start to say, we got it, Bill. We got it. Shut up. You, you've said it 15 times. But it's amazing, you know, people miss out on wash day. There are mothers around here. Sometimes they don't get it. They don't get a chance to hear the word. They're nursing their babies. They're carrying their baby. They're doing things. Sometimes we're so busy, we just, you know, God has to make an appointment with us, which is absurd. Can you say so? You know? Anyway. Um, in Matthew 10, I suggest reading it and reading it and reading it and seeing something. It says, it says, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him that is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, you're not going to be destroyed in hell. But you could just end up not growing. 
been a slug. Religious slug. Okay? And then he says this, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them, and one of them shall not fall on the earth without your father. Now does that give you any traction that he knows you? My, I thought I saw my wife signal to turn my volume down. Uh, but I, I, that just could have been my imagination. Folks, you're more valuable. And I didn't say it. You're more valuable than any bird. How does God know every bird that falls? Dear God. You know, I think if I had you know, helicopters out there counting them through, I don't even think I'd get close to how many of the birds that go south. And you're valuable because he's invested in you. And in that, you're not your own. God help us. We're, we're so far over our heads, you know. <laughs> That's why he has to continue to tell us. Uh, he can't do it. You know, work this out. Crying in loud tears like Jesus had to. He had to be saved too. He had to grow up. He had to grow. And you don't have to. No. You can, you can be a baby. And, and I know people get jumpy about saying it. But the truth is, Paul talked to two churches about what infants they were. And I'll tell you what I saw the other day when Fabian got up and said a couple of things. There, so many of you surfaced, and I thought, my God. And every once in a while, you look around and you say, I am so glad that I had an opportunity to live with this crowd, to see no matter what we were, we're not what we were. It, the becoming is overwhelming. And don't let anybody say anything different, no matter what stage or what kind of a bad day you had. So bow your heads and ask the Lord to touch you in the praise, say something, show something that you need to hear. Father, what a case. We, we're such a prime disaster of all that we, 40 years up here, and we've been just as stupid at times as the children of Israel. But you didn't care. You, you overlooked our foibles and, and goings and comings. And even today, you will. You will nurture regardless of our, our stubborn souls that don't trust you. God, we ask you this day, give us a great trust. Amen. Let's uh... Okay. That was some <clears throat> beautiful praise time. Um, you'd be glad to know that I had long notes. And now I have short ones.
Um, <coughs> what? Who knows? But uh, anyway, the, in uh, in J in the book of Job, when um, Elihu shows up in uh, Job 33. Um, he has an introductory bunch of verses when he first starts out. You know, he said he's waited because he's the youngest and all that. And then he says um, he says a, a, a profound statement. He's talking about Job justifying himself and. Um, and I, I know you've all read through Job. Uh, it should actually <coughs> be an encouragement to you. The book of Job should be an encouragement. Some of you haven't come into that revelation, I see. Uh, but it should be an encouragement to you because uh, God had to deal with... Uh, perhaps the best example in the local church at the time in, in a pretty, pretty thorough way. And I mean, so I, I want to know that, uh, oh, uh, I want to know that, I want us to know that the rest of us that aren't perhaps, I'm not saying you're the worst, but any of us that are below that, also perhaps need to be dealt with thoroughly in the way that Job was. It's, isn't it, it's funny the way that God orchestrates these things. You don't realize the, the vastness of God's wisdom to the way he illustrates his points. He does know how to make a point. And, um, and, and um, he, so he, he takes the best guy <laughs> and he reminds us how perfect he is. And, you know, I mean, he, he gives you all that so that you and I can go, we go, what? <laughs> this is the guy, this is the right guy that we finally found, the perfect and upright one that hated evil and uh, he sacrificed for his children in case. Just in case. Right? Have any of you discovered, I, I love, the, I mean, just the genius of God to, to bring forth parents. Um, because I know we love our little darlings. They come out of there so adorable. My, my uh, niece is here. Uh, no, 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 she's not my niece. She's my granddaughter. <laughs> See what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Have, <laughs> having trouble. And, and she, uh, you know, she's so properly adorable. Um, and she talks her head off and, and uh, and, and as long as she's the boss, everything goes good. And, um, <clears throat> and I'm trying to keep it that way for the, there's only about, you know, maybe 24 to 36 hours that I have to do that. So I don't have a long range view with this because if she was with me every day, we would have trouble. Um, but we might anyway, but I did the last time she came, we had a, a, a 45 minute or 60 minute session yeah, which, because she wouldn't put the toys away. <laughs> and she, you know, she weighs 25 pounds, maybe. But you don't, 
when she gets going, you think she weighs 225 pounds. And, you know, she just, she just, like, I would take her hand, <laughs> like this, <laughs> to put it, put the thing, and she'd go, <laughs> like this, right, to drop the toy, to miss. <laughs> I was astonished um, at, at that. You know, some children are very self-willed anyway. The, the thought of parenting I just was going to make, I think it's a, a, a piece of genius of God because we look at those adorable little um, vessels and you know really what they are, they're instruments of dealing. Because you think you're doing something and you wake up and you realize, man, you are doing nothing unless you are breathed upon by the Spirit of God and moving in the authority of God. You, you know, I, I know some of us have ro risen up in our own authority. It's very ineffective. Um, and, and, you know, there's firepower, there's noise, there's loudness, there's all this. But in the end of the day, is there's no results. And, and that's the big distinction when you see Jesus in the Gospels. Because they, one of the worst things they said about the scribes was, it was just kind of offhanded. It wasn't like direct at them. It just said, oh, you speak with authority, not like the scribes. Who know so much, but they don't have any power with what they say. So there was, there was a life. And, and so I, I say all that because Elihu comes on the scene. And, and his first piece of brilliant counsel after about 12 verses in chapter 33, he says, Let me answer you this, Job. God is greater than man. <laughs> I don't know if that helps anybody, but it could. Because some of us are trying to wrap our natural minds around stuff that has nothing to do with the capacity of a natural mind. It just has to do with that God is greater than man and knows all things, and knows what to do. And um, Brother Bill asked the question the other day, nobody answered, but it's just one of those days. I, I decided that God loves Fabian more than some of us because he got up the other day and had this funny idea about sharing Bible verses. You know, something throwback from Sunday school, I guess. And he even had us all stand up, the audacity of that. <laughs> And, I don't know, the anointing came here and people was participation all over the room and it was alive. And I thought, well, so God loves Fabian more. Just face it. Just the way it is in life. Yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll be a lot better. But there's a, so God is greater than man and there's something that God is working on in all of us. And it's, it's listed in Job quite a few times and it's the word hypocrisy and hypocrite. And, um, and it's, Eight, eight or nine times it's in the book of Job for, for some reason. And then, you know, Jesus used it quite a few times. And I think Matthew 23, I'm not going to turn there, but he does a scathing rebuke of the Pharisees. He doesn't just say the hypocrites one time. He says, you hypocrites, you wash the outside of the cup. You don't pay attention to the inside. You hypocrites, you put burdens upon men. You hypocrites... You make them, you make the, your proselytes twice the sinner that you are. You, I mean, we just, you know, like, um, uh, he was shooting, you know, an automatic rifle. And, and I, I um, you know, and I, I, the, one of the worst words I think that you could ever be called is a hypocrite. You know, that seems like that's one of the most degrading comments that can ever be made about that. But the truth is, every single one of us is being delivered from the hypocrisy 
uh, of where we are. You know, you can't be a hypocrite if you have not been introduced to another life. I don't know if you've considered that. There is, a, there is a deliverance going on with every single one of us, and it really is just from our own way. And so when we take our own way, we are hypocrites in regards to what we say we believe. And I, I love that, and Bill has read it, I've read it, others have read it, that uh, T.A. Sparks said, I don't believe what I believe. <laughs> I thought that was such a brilliant sentence, because boy, is that the truth. Uh, that I don't believe what I believe. And, and Brother Bill's been referring to the scripture in, in Romans chapter 4 that the, the if clause there is if we believe. And we've substituted belief for mental assent, which we thought they were the same. And really we found out they're not the same at all. Um, because I've said amen to a lot of things I absolutely didn't believe. And I, you know, there's a, um, there's a scripture and about it doesn't say hypocrisy, but I, I just thought of this, uh, um, or I just seem to see it in, in, in Isaiah 58. Because God is, and, and um, I think if we're talking about in this verse, 58, that, um, I think it is 12 maybe. Yeah, it says, 58.12 And they that be of thee shall build the old waste places and shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And now you should be called the repairer of the breach. And I thought, you know, that really fits in with hypocrisy. Because there is a breach that's being closed. And the breach that's being closed is what you are inside right and what you say you believe and what source of life you live by because this really the and, and you and I know this the 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 genuine the genuine issue of of Christ is a life do, you, do we do we get that it says it and I want to I say it to myself a lot it's a life we now live it's not a it's not a bunch of concepts it's not a bunch of infrastructure it's not a bunch of anything Scriptures and, and I'm, none of those. I'm not talking. None of those things are bad. I'm not dismissing the things that we do in life because they're very important. Some, some, you know, there is a, a, a huge amount of serving going on here, which I'm very appreciative, and we should not lose appreciation for all the serving that goes on. And and but the serving is meaningful if the serving is a serving of Christ. And the serving itself does not really work if it's not serving Christ. The, the central issue for all of us is a spiritual one of what source am I living by? That's the central issue for every single one of us. What source is my life? And, and I don't mean pasting on what we think are good works, and, but it's a natural source. It's, it's got to be a spiritual source that is the work of God. And that's what upset the disciples, not the disciples, the Pharisees so much. We could look over and... Um, Maybe it's John 5, I guess. And I'm, not, I'm really not following my notes, but I'd like to just, just say what I want to say. And sit down. <laughs> Instead of adding, adding my notes. 
guess you just tell you the theme today, in case you don't get it. <laughs> I was sitting this morning early having a cup of coffee. I said, Lord, is there anything you want to say to anybody? So if you close your eyes really hard, you know, like they wrinkle, that helps. Nothing helps. None of those little actions help. Okay? But I just thought, it wasn't audible, so if you don't believe, if you don't agree with this, or if you don't think it came from the Lord, that's fine. It's okay. I'm just going with what I had, or what I thought. Yeah, I, <laughs> anyway, enough of the jokes. Um, I, I said, Lord, is there anything? And you know, it, it, I don't know, nothing happened right away or anything. And, but finally, I just said, I thought the Lord said, would you, would, you tell, would you tell them to come to me? That's, that's the thing, no matter what you get out of this. Would you tell everybody to come to me? Okay. It was the Lord to me, so. So I just want to have a picture, a look at a picture of a, a, a religious life that isn't a life here quickly, quickly. And it's in John 5. And it's about the man that was at the pool. It was a pool at the sheep market. <coughs> Bethesda. And this has always been such a depressing, depressing account to me. Maybe you don't see it that way. Maybe you see it as hopeful. But this is, to me, a picture of religion. It says, in these, at this place, so there's five porches. In verse 3, it says, in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. A blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And then whoever was first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Now, I don't know if you thought much about this, but someone that couldn't walk, I don't not sure it was a fair opportunity. You know, it seemed, uh, for one, it, it wasn't a great congregation here, right? Uh, blind, impotent, halt, withered, weight. I mean, you know, it's a similar to what God did with community. <laughs> I don't know why we're laughing. I mean, we all, he got us all together, and what did we discover? Right? Well, some, some say, well, well, I'm lame, but I'm not halt, like so-and-so. Make yourself feel a little better by comparing ailment and disability. I mean, that seems a little silly. Um, and then, then it says, and they waited, it was a certain time, and whoever was first got healed. That is worse than nothing happening, in my opinion. This is just my opinion now. You don't have to agree. But in my opinion, it'd be better if the angel never showed up. And, when, and, and, then, there was, and then the clincher is this. 
a certain man was there which had an infirmity for 38 years. I think there, there it is, right there. Yeah. There it is. There's a guy that's been, I don't know how long, it doesn't exact, I'm not sure he's at the pool for 38 years, he had the infirmity for 38 years, but, but obviously he'd, 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 he was a veteran of futility, right? Yeah. Anybody else a veteran of futility? Not fertility, futility. <laughs> you know, some of you think you're veterans of fertility, and, and there's some groups in town, too, that are veterans of fertility, but that's not what I'm talking about. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool but while I'm coming another steps down before me. And the reason I'm reading this, and this is such a picture of religion where it's hopeful or maybe something will happen or maybe there'll be a healing or maybe somebody will get better or maybe, or maybe it could. Maybe if, if all the stars line up, if all the planets are aligned, if all, if all my friends act nice to me, if my children will be... Uh, just a, a shining picture, an, an example of perfect parenting. If they could be a reflection of all the wonderful things that I've done and said. If, they, if the community could just stay together. If, 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 if. And you know what it is, religion? It is a picture of utter futility. Because this is a life. It's not an event that we can point to once in a while. It's a life that I've got to live. And I ask myself, is the life working? Because that's what's got to be working. Not I'm hoping that there's some zapping from an angel or from the sky or something, but is there a life? Is there there's some communion and communication, actually, with the Spirit of God going on in my life? And so I think this is such a... And you know what? The Pharisees got so upset. You know why they got upset? Because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And they, they find the guy, and he's walking with his bed. And he says, they said, it's not lawful for you. And what I think is amusing also is said, who, healed, who did this to you? Who told you to take up your bed? And you know that guy? And it's such a, a, a great picture of arbitrary healing. It, the guy didn't even know who healed him. He says, well, I don't know. You know why? He didn't care. You know why? Because he was healed. He got up after 38 years. He took up, he, yeah, he took up his bed. You better believe he did. The guy just killed him. Take up your bed and walk. And he walked. He never stopped to find out who it was. And it says Jesus slipped away. And Pharisees got so upset that he was carrying his bed on the Sabbath. I know that sounds weird to us. But, and this is what I wanted to say about Romans 4. I think I lost that trail. I went off trail there. In Romans 4, Brother Bill's been talking about that if clause, if you believe. And I said about mental assent. Let me just say where believing takes us. Because this is the litmus test of believing. The litmus test of believing is it takes us to rest. You can read that in Hebrews 4. Believing is taking you to rest. And what is rest? It's ceasing from your own works. Okay? That's what the rest is. And when you and I believe, 
we are in the process of a gap being closed in our hearts from my own works into his. Jesus said, I work, my father works, and I work. He says it in the same chapter. This believing is not saying amen because we agree with something that we heard. This believing is a departure from our own works. This believing is a departure from our own life and, and an entering into the work of God. And what does Jesus define the work of God as? Believing. <laughs> and he says you, you don't believe. And, and that's what you see here with the Pharisees. So we can't, you know, I laugh at, at the account that the Pharisees were upset that the guy, the guy who was infirm for 38 years, just it seems as though it's a no-brainer and they would understand. Well, isn't this good news? Well, I know he's carrying his bed on the Sabbath. You know what they hated? They hated a source of life. They hated the Sabbath in what it really meant. Because the Sabbath is a, is, is a symbolic term for rest. It's not Saturday. It's not Sunday. I mean, there's a, there's a particular denomination that's formed their whole denomination around getting together on Saturday. I guess that's what we do. I guess we have too. Yeah, we can draw that church in. We, hey, you know when we get together? Saturday. The true Sabbath had nothing to do with what the reason it's in the Bible is because um, God wanted us to know something. There's a reaction to this rest. There's a hating of, of ceasing from your own works. I saw a young brother this morning had, and I looked over and I, he had his foot during the praise, his fingers were his ears. And I thought, well, that's a good picture sometimes. Of, of how it is. We talk about approaching God, and when you approach God, do you understand His intention is to, is to close the breach, repair the hypocrisy of the heart, <laughs> to deliver me from my own works? That's what the Sabbath is all about. That's what the rest is all about. That's what it, the indication is that I'm believing. Well, okay, we'll go back to Isaiah 58 because it talks, it further goes on after it says closing the breach, the repair of the breach. Diana has it written in all of our hearts, doesn't she? From the kindergarten days of, it's a way to close the gap. But it goes on here, it says in verse 13, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your, thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath the resting a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and you shall honor him. Okay, look at this. Not doing thy own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Is that impossible or what? Do, do you have a hard time? You know how many times I've fallen into the trap that I didn't know was a trap? I just stepped into my ways. It wasn't forebrained. I didn't say, I didn't wake up and say, okay, today is my way. No! Stuff just comes out. 
The Sabbath rest is that I cease from that source. That, uh, Brother Bill talked about the birds this morning. I, I want you to know your confidence is not in your commitment. Your confidence is in God's commitment. And your commitment is only born out of the commitment of God. When you see His utter commitment to, to close this gap of your way into a whole new man, when you see His commitment to it, He is committed to it. That's my confidence that He's committed to it. Because I've been, uh, you know, on occasion, once or twice, I've been disappointed with my commitment. Anybody else? Do you ever read the book of Hosea? Yeah, and we want to identify with Hosea himself. But it's in there. Why? Because his people are always wandering. And he knows that. And he knows how to get you back. Do you understand that everything that happens in your life is getting you back? Of the prodigal son, how did he get him back? He let him go. <laughs> did, did he have, did he have um, something on his ankle attached? I think so. How much rope did he have? Just enough. Till he got miserable. Do you think that son came back without the drawing power of the Holy Ghost? No. The Spirit was still there, working. It just got bad enough to get his attention and said, what is wrong with me? Finally he said, what am I doing? And I've been amazed at how many times I have to do before I say, what am I doing? And I mean the same thing. I'd like to tell you it's different stuff. I'd like, to, I'd like to tell you I got a new plan, but it's not even a new plan. It's the same plan. It's the repetitive same plan. So when it says not doing your own pleasure, not coming out with your own words, not staying with your own responses, they're the same. <laughs> I come up with a new response. And it's the same. So, uh, let's see if there's anything else I absolutely must say. Okay, let me just say this. Yeah, I, I need to find it. Oh yeah, there it is. John, no, yes, yeah, John. Maybe it's back in John 5. <coughs> the, oh, there it is. 40. Yeah, okay. This is the problem. And this is why I think the Lord said it to me this morning of the Spirit. 39, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me 
that you might have life. You will not come to me that you might have life. The whole point that Jesus was making is that you must, you must <laughs> come to me. And the reason we don't come to him, and the reason that the churches in certain places have thousands, and the reason that that's all, because you don't have to lose your life. You can still do your own pleasure and say your own words. And look, I, that, I don't know about you, but, you know, and I, and I, and I think um, Bill asked this question and nobody said anything. I think you said, man, how did you put it? What, what's the tension about? Did you ask that the other day? What's the tension? What was that question? Pressure. What's the pressure you're under? This is the pressure that in order to come to him, you've got to realize that you, you lose your own way uh, the tension, the stress is that, or the pressure is that there's nothing of my own life that God wants. Do you understand? There's nothing of my own analysis that He finds valuable. There's nothing of my own words when it's sourced out of my soul, my human soul. There's nothing of that that is valuable in His purposes. And that is pressure. Anybody else think it's pressure? That's my pressure. Uh, and, and sometimes it's, it's not uh, the circumstances you find yourself in. The great affliction is to cease from your own works. That's the greatest affliction. And God uses helps to get our attention to let us know what source we're living by. Right? Because the, the source of life of Christ, it works all the time. There isn't an environment that doesn't work. Right? Now, uh, okay, just think about some of the examples in the Bible. The first half of Hebrews 11 is these all, you know, they had victories. They, the second half is they didn't accept deliverance. The life still worked. Right? They still, they died in faith. They died in belief. They died in ceasing from their own works. That's where they finished. Right? It works. In all environments. And I have been, my life does not work in all environments. <coughs> my life is so fragile that someone can look at me the wrong way and I can be upset for an hour. Okay, two or three. All right, okay. <laughs> years. People don't talk to each other for years. Do you know that? No, really. I'm not kidding. No, they don't. They don't. I, I, I remember talking to some relatives, and it's not my mother, so don't go question her, with other relatives, and, and they... they uh, I said, well, what happened to so-and-so and you guys? Because... She always came over and, oh, I don't know, she got such and such and such and such. But that was it. But I'm not, I'm not mean like she didn't come by for a week. I'm talking 20 years she didn't come by anymore. They didn't talk. 
That's what, I mean, come on. If you want to look at the life that you and I live on, sourced by, it, it's, it's very weak and it's very fragile. I don't mean it isn't stubborn. When I say weak, I don't mean it's not stubborn. It is stubborn. It's persistent. But it's weak. It can't handle. It can't handle discord. It can't handle affliction. It can't handle um, difficulty in life. It can't handle anything. It doesn't have the capacity to. But the life that you and I are called to live in is able and works. And that's why Stephen looked up to heaven and he said, Don't lay this to did he say don't lay this to their charge? Oh really? Okay. Boy, praise God. Put that in the old refrigerator. And I can say that in the morning. Lord, don't lay anything to their charge because there's nothing going on. I can say a lot of religious stuff when nothing's going on. Get me in the, the heat of the warfare. See what I got. Have you, I was considering the other day the things that people have gone through in this world over the years and I thought, Lord, I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> I got this hypocrisy Hypocrisy. Is that a word? Hypocrisy working still, and I wonder where, where people watch their families uh, shot. And, you know, I mean, just, I, it, it's, you know why it's mind boggling? Because my mind cannot do anything about that. My natural life has no capacity to handle that. There is a life. It's eternal. It's an eternal life that works in every environment. And so you and I, he says, you don't come to me that you might find that life. And you and I must go to him. And I don't want you to think that there's some magic button going to him. It's not. I don't have a magic phone. I don't have a magic satellite. And if anybody says they do, and if it's, it's flippant in the way it's said, then you better believe they're not relating to the Spirit of God. There's some other thing that they're feeding on. It's another, another influence. Because this is a passage in Hosea. Have you read the passage in Hosea? I know we were talking about, we, I say, go, we got to come to him. But there's a passage in Hosea. In Hosea chapter 5, he says, These people have been messing around. They've been taking the wrong way. And this is going to save you reading a lot of verses. And so I'll tell you what I'll do. God, who says in Hebrews 13, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. Okay? You got that? We all know that. He's the same God. Now, maybe he's mature. By the time we get to Hebrews. I mean, there is a religion that believes there's a God of the Old Testament and then there's a God of the New. No, I'm serious. There is. I tend to think there's one. <laughs> the same one. 
So he says in Hosea 5, he says, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, these guys have been messing around. I'm going to go return to my place. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean I'm going to return to you? Uh, and then, in their affliction, right? What do I, what's the affliction? Well, the affliction is getting out of your own way and ceasing from your own works. That's the great affliction for every single one of us. So when he says, I'm going to go to my place, and in their affliction, do you know what that is a picture of? It's a picture of you cannot get out of your own way. The worst thing I've done is fall into the same trap. Same, 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 same trap. And I don't seem to get relief from the trap with an immediacy. Because God says, okay, David, you've been messing around. You're just a little too casual or you're just saying the same stuff. You know, you, have, you know, Dave, um, I'm not counting and I'm not giving you a number, but you've done this a lot of times. Right? You've said this a lot of times. You've gone into this trap. Let's just say more than once. And so I'm going to return to my place so that you see that you can't get out unless I am with you until they acknowledge their offense. Now you don't stop in verse 14 of chapter 5 in Hosea. You go to the next chapter, 6, and you go there quickly. And it says, come, let us return unto the Lord for he is torn, but he'll heal. Right? He'll, he'll bring you forth. Uh, I don't know. On the third day, you'll be raised up. I don't, we don't have to read that. You can read it yourself. The point is, he, you don't find him like you want to find him. You, he leaves you in the trap for a while because you and I keep walking into it instead of calling upon his name, instead of saying, God, right now, the life I now live, I mean, Lord. That's what I'm talking about. The life I'm now living in relation to the environment that I find myself in, Lord. Call. Come. Now. So, don't be duped. God hasn't left you because you don't feel His presence. He's just returned to His place. So you can acknowledge when I say return to this place, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just saying you don't have an awareness. Oh, feels like he's miles away. But it's just, he wants to give you an opportunity, like prodigal, to say, Lord, I don't want to be out here again. Here I am again. How, that, how deep is this the, 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 uh, I don't know what the right word is. How deep is the dullness of the carnal mind? How deep is the, is how, what's the depth of, of how futile to live sourced out of our natural life? How deep is that futility? Okay, I think I'm going to close. Matthew 6.
you know, before I get to Matthew 6, I'm going to close with that. I was talking about the thoughts of God and having the mind of Christ at the convention, and one profound thought that Paul revealed to us, and it was through his own experience, because he had a, a thorn in the flesh that he sought God three times to get delivered from, and, and God did not deliver him from the thorn. He said, but he gave a really great thought of God, and that is, God told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And I thought, there is never a condition where God's grace isn't sufficient. There's never a condition that you can find yourself in that God's grace is not sufficient for what's going on. In Matthew 6, and the, you know this, it says, when you pray, don't be as the hypocrites. Okay. <laughs> you should do a study on hypocrites. It's amazing. And read Matthew 23. Holy cow. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the street that they may be seen of men. If you have a prayer life, you do not want to be seen of men. I just want you to know. Because you found stuff out. And what you really want to say is, the one word that comes across your lips is mercy. Yes. Yeah. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But this is what it says. But you, when you pray, enter into your closet. And shut the door. You did take this verse home today and meditate on it. Enter into your closet. That means the secret place of what goes on in your heart. Go there with God. Let God go there with you. And shut the door. Shut the door. To what? To everything else. But what is essential for me? We go so many other places. So many other places to find. And pray your Father which is in secret. I mean, your Father which is in secret will reward you openly. What's it reward you with? <laughs> he closes the gap. Please uh, don't miss the fact that uh, the song that uh, Seth has written. What, what is the what is the title there? Uh, isn't there a come to me? Yeah. And so we've had a, a living word. It came from God. And, and don't minimize our time. I mean, there are a lot of times when we, you know, it, it's it's a good word. It's it helps us. But when God speaks to David and said, "Well, I hope it's there. Here I come," and then you receive it. And I was I was thinking about this. The word hypocrite really 
has good actors. Woe to the actor. You're acting like you're doing something you're not doing. And uh, the, the biggest aspect, um, we all get into it because we want to look okay. You know, nobody gets up in the morning, well, there may be a couple, who so say, I'm going to see how ugly an outfit I can have on. And since I'm a beautician, really, secretly, I think I have to say something about it, but uh, they don't listen. Uh, but I wanted to say this. When you see, and, and the most, one of the most important things in regard to this coming to God, it's because when you come to him, you, you turn. You're, you cannot be in the presence of God and not be broken and feel like, oh, what a, you know, this, this thing of, of the actor. I use the word theater when I'm on Zoom. I, I, I use it over and over because maybe somebody will get it. You say hypocrite, and they say, well, yeah, those Pharisees. But if we look to ourselves in the pretense, we're better off. I want to tell a story about forgiveness because it's central. And you've heard me say it, forgive yourself. And you cannot do that without God. You cannot come to God without asking God to get there. Okay? You can say, here I am. But uh, sometimes your habit is the inhibitor. But anyway, my mother, uh, this is an old story The older people, I've told the story, the young ones won't, uh, it's new. Uh, my mother worked as a waitress and she walked off her job and took the money she had, went and bought snowsuits, my sister and me, made a ticket on a Greyhound bus to go to Arkansas, where my grandmother and my uh, grandfather were. My grandfather was blind. And my dad had said uh, something very negative about his father, blankety blank blank, and my mother heard it. And it had to do with uh, their tension. They weren't they weren't together. And my dad didn't care if he was blind. He was hard. And uh, my mother was very soft. And she, she wrote a letter to my father who had a good job. And she said, I'm going to Arkansas to see your dad. He's blind. And, and, uh, and he has a problem with you and you have a problem with him. If you don't come to Arkansas to work that out, I'm not coming home. Now, that's my mom. She's a funny, funny lady. And so my sister and I, I'll never forget, here we go. It's snowing in Arkansas. We're leaving California, and it's a, just a trip for us. And uh, now you think, as a son, and I heard that story, and I love the story, it's a warm, fuzzy story, you know? But uh, do you think because I saw that, that I became a guy that would just forgive everybody? Because I had a forgiving mother, and she said, don't hold anything 
against anyone. And uh, do you think I, that that would help me? You'd think it should, but it didn't, okay? I went 10 years in a situation, and maybe others I don't even know about, because God has to operate on you to have that happen. You have to come to him, as we've heard. And I'm not going to say anything else, but God help us. When he, when he gives you the strength to do what you have to do, you have it. It's real. And uh, it's been wonderful this morning. Thank you, David. Uh, bow your heads and let's ask the Lord to, to help us with this. Uh, Lord, we're good at pretense. We're great at theater. Now help us to, to detest it and to ask you to drive us by your, your love and your softness to your heart and, and to give up thinking that we can do this without you. Amen. Amen. Um.